Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Stuff You Should Know blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to AudiblePodcast.com slash stuff today for details. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. <laughs> With me is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Uh, and you put the two of us together, you know that you have stuff you should know, right, Chuck? That's right, Josh. What you doing there, Chuck? I uh, know you're laughing because I am doing a little thing. I have gunk in my ear. Yeah. And I could use a Q-tip if you have one. Hey, fun fact. Did you know that Q-tips were originally called baby gays? Baby gays. Mm-hmm. I don't think I knew that, but it sounds familiar. Yeah, true story. True story. Very cool. So, I like starting off with a fact. Yeah. That has nothing to do with our show. Sure, right. So, uh, Chuck, speaking of having nothing to do with our show, um, let's talk about Deja Vu. You ever had it? I have. And uh, let me add, this is a listener suggestion. Yeah. Dedicated to one Peter Harrison of Pittman, New Jersey, keeping it real in New Jersey in the Garden State. Yeah. He actually had Deja Vu when he was listening to, I believe, our Exorcism podcast. So... Weird. There you have it. So that's he, a, he that's thought an of it. Unsettling one to have deja vu over, I would think. Yeah. And it turns out we had a great article on it, so away we go. Yeah, let's do this, Chuck. You know, uh, are you part of the 30% who uh, has reported never having, or I guess just hasn't reported having deja vu, or are you part of the 60 to 70%? 60 to 70. I definitely have had deja vu many, uh, many times. I was actually surprised to find that number was as low as it was. I thought it'd be hovering in the 90s, you know, and then the other people were just too lazy to ever say, yeah, I've had deja vu. Right. It seems like something everybody would have, right? Right. Or nothing familiar has ever happened to me. Exactly. Like, I don't pay attention to anything at all. Right. I just watch, you know, Dancing with the Stars all the time. Right. So, um, all right, Chuck, well, let's, let's start with the nuts and bolts, shall we? Deja vu, French four. French four already seen, and uh, I believe it was named by Emile Borac, who was uh, a French scientist, first guy to ever study it, so mm-hmm. he gave he, it its name. Yeah, in uh, his 1876 book, L'Avenir des Sciences Physiques. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Three years under my belt, pal. I feel like you just channeled Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so deja vu, as everyone knows, is uh, is a feeling that you've seen or experienced uh, something before when you know that you have not. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sense of familiarity, unplaced familiarity. Right. For instance, I walk into a store I've never been in and uh, see a person I've never seen. And I think, wow, this is feels eerily familiar. Yeah. It, what usually happens to me, I'm part of the 60 to 70 percent too. Of course. Self-reported. Sure. Um, and uh, what happens to me usually is there's about three different things that are going on in conjunction with one another. Like, um, you know... A fish jumps in a lake, and a woman walks by with a baby stroller, and then like a, sky, a cloud passes in front of the sun. It'll, it'll that's how my deja vu is, and I'm like, wow, I've been standing in the same spot watching these the same group of things happen, and then it just kind of passes. Interesting. I'm like, whoa. I don't know if I could categorize mine that specifically, but well done. Thanks. Thank you very much. That's my deja vu. Cool. Um, but yeah, so essentially. Um, what was the guy's name? Warrock? Yes. He, uh, he, he mentioned deja vu, but he didn't really go into detail about it. The first really respected, I guess, scientist to really take up the mantle was Freud, right? Yeah. 
And he basically created the theory that, that was the driving explanation behind deja vu throughout the 20th century. Um, and that was that he, uh, he believed it were, that deja vu was the result of repressed memories. He said that about everything. Everything. <laughs> if it wasn't about the penis or the vagina, it was about repressed memories and possibly a mother's teat. Right. Yeah. So I went to the Freud house. Did you? Yeah, have a nice photo in front of it. That's, that's great. Just a sidebar. Yeah, what what city is that, Vienna? Uh, I am almost positive it was Vienna. We'll find out, won't we? Yes. Yeah. So. I, I traipsed around, though, and all those memories aren't uh, firmly rooted, so. There's a deja vu joke in there somewhere. I just can't find it right now. <laughs> so we'll just keep going, huh? Sure. We'll edit it in later. All right, so at some point, as we said, Freud, you know, he deja vu explained. And then once Freud basically was found out to be a... Um, Basically, a, a fraud. No, just a, kidding. A, well, um, a, a coke addicted um, postulator. Okay. Rather than maybe a real scientist. In my <laughs> opinion, I'm more of a Jungian than, than a Freudian. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> I'm a Dr. Phil guy. Are you? <laughs> no. You can't go wrong with that guy. Um, eventually, at some point in time, the deja vu uh, was attached to the paranormal. Right. I'm not entirely certain when this happened, but you know, you, you've heard that kind of thing. Like it, it had to do with precognition. Yeah, and, and real scientists wouldn't, uh, they kind of just brushed it aside. Well, actually, one one um, does explain deja vu through precognitive dreams, but we'll get to that later, right? That's right. I'm um, right. But yeah, that, that any time you put the stank of paranormal onto something that's arguably real, right. people, science just turns their back on it. They right. can't stand things that they can't apply the scientific method to, whether it's, it's real or not, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody just kind of dropped, at least the scientific community kind of dropped deja vu a- until... Our great friend, the functional MRI, was invented. Yes, the AKA FMRI. the Wonder Machine. <laughs> right. And it sparked this renewed interest in research into, into deja vu, right? Well, yeah, because now you could actually look at the brain function and try and figure out the science behind it instead of just doing the Freudian thing. Right. Which is make stuff up. Right. Um, so uh, this is really, really, really new research. I mean, just last several years, right? So the jury is still definitely out, oh, yeah. which is good for us and our listeners because we get to talk about a bunch of competing theories that are super cool. And there's a lot of them. I think they're, the article said something like over 40 theories yeah. of well, what deja vu actually right. is. And I think uh, we shouldn't go into all 40. There's no way. This would be a four-hour podcast. But they, uh, they've basically split deja vu into two two broad categories, right? Yes. There's associative and biological. Right. And which one's associative? Uh, well, that's the one that... You most people out there probably are more uh, familiar with, and that's when you uh, your senses are reacting, and you see, hear, or smell something that stirs up a feeling inside you, and uh, it's you know it's memory based, mm-hmm. and, and it's very fleeting, like ten to twenty seconds. Yeah, and, and mine are shorter than that, actually. Yeah, I would say less than ten usually. Huh? Is there a baby carriage involved? No, never. Um. It, these, this is this is a deja vu among generally healthy people, right? Yes. So we're not we're we're not really attaching any real meaning to it. It's more like a whoa, that was cool deja vu kind of thing. Right. Right. The other one, biological, is actually the result of like some sort of structural impairment to the brain. Yeah. Um, say epilepsy. Exactly. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, possibly schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are the, these episodes are much more vivid. Um, 
deja vu than than associative deja vu. Right. And uh, the the people who experience biological deja vu have much more of a tendency to attach real meaning to it and really believe like they they're experiencing something twice. Right. It's not like a fleeting feeling. No. Yeah. And if you're an epileptic and you have uh, a case of vivid deja vu, prepare for a seizure. Oh, it's it's right before the seizure. Right before, yeah. And uh, apparently, they also smell flowers sometimes too, or oranges. Really? That's what I've heard. Interesting. I agree. So those are the two broad categories, right? Yes. Still, it doesn't really explain anything, right? No, it doesn't. Um, with with the biolog, it seems like researchers have the biological explanation of déjà vu down a little more pat. Right, it's a little more medically based. Yeah, it's like a, a temporal lobe malfunction, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, it seems like the temporal the temporal lobe has everything to do with déjà vu, whether it's uh, structural or you know associative. Right, because that's where our conscious memory is uh, is is happening, basically. Mm-hmm. Which would be a pretty appropriate place for déjà vu to take place, right? Absolutely. Um, so basically, uh, there, there's this part called the uh, there's a part there's a temporal lobe region called the medial temporal lobe, uh-huh. and um, that's, like you said, the part that's responsible for processing conscious memory. And there's this guy named uh, Robert Efron. Yes. And he's a uh, neurologist, I take it, of uh, some stripe. And he did some investigation into the temporal lobe. And he found that it receives information, the same sensory input, twice. Right. This okay. was in the early 1960s, too. Yeah. And it still held up as valid. So. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so what, what Efron postulated was that if we're getting the same information twice, one's direct to the temporal lobe, which which processes sensory information. Uh-huh. The other one is slightly indirect. It, it, it gets routed through the right hemisphere of the brain and then shoots over to the to the left hemisphere of the temporal lobe, right? Within milliseconds. But there is a delay. There's a lag. And so what Efren said was if this delay is longer than normal, extended by even a couple of milliseconds, right. the brain has the potential to confuse... You know what? What I guess kind of timestamp or you know what situation or context that this this um this sensory input was taken in, right? Um, and maybe assign it uh, an incorrect category. Hence, we get the feeling that we've been there before, we've experienced this before because we're we're confused, and that's what deja vu is, which makes tons of sense, right? Pretty cool, yeah. That's certainly not the only uh, uh, theory of what deja vu is. No, uh, cell phone theory. Shall we talk about that? Yes. This uh, Dr. Alan Brown is a guy who's done a lot of research in this area as well, and he did studies at Duke University and SMU Southern Methodist with uh, Elizabeth Marsh, is mm-hmm. the lady's name. And what they did was uh, they worked with subliminal suggestion, which is one of my favorite things. I think it's really cool and interesting. Agreed. Uh, they showed photographs of uh, different locations to students, and they were going to, you know, the plan was to ask them which ones were familiar. But before they did this, they showed uh, sub- the same photos at subliminal speeds, so like 10 to 20 milliseconds. Gotcha. And what happened was the brain, of course, registered it. And but unconsciously, right? Unconsciously. Right. And that they found familiarity with these uh, slides of locations that they'd never been to. Like they showed the people the same picture right? Uh, once in a split second. Right. And then later on, they, they thought that they hadn't seen it before, but the right. brain had already unconsciously... A processor, right? You got it, buddy. So, and and there was an increase in deja vu among those people. Yeah, and um, I saw a thing on YouTube, and this isn't exactly deja vu, but this is a really cool thing. There was a guy in England 
uh, named Darren Brown. He's a magician and mentalist, <laughs> which I think is a great title. Uh, and he did this, if you look up on YouTube, Darren Brown and Subliminal Advertising, he did this cool deal where he brought in these two uh, advertising guys and said, hey, I want you to come up with a advertising plan for me uh, based on taxidermy. And that's all he told them. Mm-hmm. And then he set down an envelope and said, this is my plan, and don't look at it or anything like that. It's sealed. These guys came up with a little you know, sketch and a logo and a, and a tagline. He came back in 10 minutes later, or however long it was, and opened up his envelope, and the logo, the tagline, everything was really, really, really similar. And these guys, these ad guys, were just blown away. And then it showed a replay of their uh, trip to the uh, studio where they did this. Mm-hmm. And he had placed these little subliminal suggestions everywhere. One was a little sticker on the inside of their cab. Mm-hmm. One was on a road sign that they passed. One was a group of students that were wearing a T-shirt with a logo that passed in front of the car. Mm-hmm. And their brains picked all this stuff up. It was a really, awesome. really cool thing. Let's see. What was the guy's name again? Uh, Darren Brown. Okay. What was the name of the clip? Do you remember? Darren Brown Subliminal Advertising. Nice. Good enough. Yeah, very very cool. direct and appropriate. Yes. So what, what are you doing there, Chuck? You okay? Well, yeah, my ear has uh, got some gunk in it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I could use a Q-tip, actually. Hey, Chuck, did you know that uh, Q-tips were originally called baby gays? Gay, as in G-A-Y-S? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that, but that sounds familiar. Yeah, back in the 20s. Interesting. Weird. Another aside, sorry. Uh, so, okay, Chuck, that um, cell phone theory, right? That's yes. what it was called? Uh-huh. That was Alan Brown. Yeah. So it, um, it, it applies to deja vu in that, I, I guess Dr. Brown is saying that we are, when we're not really paying attention, when we're distracted. Right. Um, we're still processing sensory information unconsciously. So then let's say you walk into a room and you're not really paying attention. You're talking to somebody. Um, when you do turn your attention to your surroundings and you start taking that sensory input in consciously, that's where potentially where deja vu comes in. Right. Because we're comparing this new conscious sensory input to something our brain's already familiar with and we're like, whoa, I've been here before. Right. I know Something's they found weird. that some people that are uh, stressed and have anxiety are more prone to it. They also found that sense. people who are uh, refreshed and rested right. are more prone to it. So. Yeah, we're still getting a handle on deja vu, right? Yeah, one study says one thing, the other says the exact opposite. I love those. I've got another study, beautiful. Let's hear it. It's called the hologram study. Ah, good one. Okay, so this guy's name is uh, Herman Snow, S-N-O, no no W. W. He's (laughs) Dutch, and um, he basically has a theory that um, memory... Memories are like a hologram, right? Like a 3D construct. Right. And they are... If you take a, just a small piece of it, you can reconstruct the memory from it. Right. But if you take a very, very small fragment, the, the, the memory is not going to be completely accurate or true. Right. So uh, Dr. Snow's theory – or actually, I think he's a philosopher maybe. Um, his theory is that uh, we have little snippets of memory – brought back we recall them that are triggered by something familiar but then we reconstruct those memories incorrectly to, and we use that immediate um experience right uh say getting into a car uh we have a memory that we've forgotten about a similar car um so but we still recall a little bit of it but we reconstruct it around the car that we're in right now and we feel like we've been there before right he's a psychiatrist by the way thank you for that thank yeah. you no listener mail on that one. Fact checking as we go. Yeah, you're quick, Chuck. Thank you. You got any more? Uh, well, I know you probably wanted to hit um, the precognitive dream thing. Yeah, and I don't remember who uh, came up with this one. Do you? 
Yeah, a Swiss scientist, uh, Arthur Funkhauser. Okay, so uh, Funkhauser, uh, with the coolest name on the planet, yeah. he he believed that we actually have dreams that pretend the future, yeah. if, essentially. Very cool. Um, and that it's generally mundane stuff that we easily forget. Uh, and he actually conducted a study, I think back in 1939, of a bunch of kids at Oxford uh-huh. and found that something, somewhere around like 12.7% of their dreams uh, eventually bore a striking similarity to future events. Right. And he said it's as simple as that. We we have somehow have an ability to see what's coming down the road. Right. Uh, and that's where deja vu comes from. Well, I did like you said it was usually more mundane things. Mm-hmm. What he, he theorized, and this makes sense too, is that if if it wasn't mundane, we're more likely to remember it in our you know just waking conscious. Right. And these are the ones that slip between the cracks. Right. And since it was mundane, since we can forget it, that would explain that kind of hazy quality that. Um, that deja vu always has. Right. You know, it's nothing's quite right all of a sudden. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually, interestingly, uh, his theory was backed up by another study from 1988. I found similar results, except uh, it was more in the 10% of, you know, dreams pretend the future. I think it's actually 10% of the people have dreams that could, not 10% of dreams. Are you sure? Yeah. I would say 10 to 12% of my dreams come true. Really? It's happening right now. You dreamed of having a podcast with me one day. <laughs> nice one, Chuck, yes. Uh, should we talk about Jamais Vu? I, I, yes, please. Uh, Jamais Vu is the opposite of Deja Vu. I know a lot of people say Vujade, but that's just kind of a funny way to say it. Jamais mm-hmm. Vu is actually a real term. I I passed over this part in the article, Chuck. I'm not kidding. This is brand new to me. It was not in the article, my friend. This is called Supplemental Research. Oh, good. You should I, try it sometime. I thought I was having Jamais Vu. <laughs> No, a jamais vu is, is a real thing. It means never seen, and uh, it's when a familiar situation is not recognized. It's like face blindness. Mm, not really. Okay. <laughs> it was worth a shot, Chuck. Right. Uh, actually, w- like, have you ever had the situation where you've said a word uh, like over and over in your head, and then the word starts to sound funny? Mm-hmm. Or I, that happens to me when I see it spelled. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's jamais vu, and basically what's happening there is... Um, the word is just existing in its form, so the function and meaning is lost. So Weird. You're not applying the, the function and meaning, so you say um, eggs benedict 15 times, and by the end of it, or if you write it out 15 times, you're going to be thinking, eggs benedict, what are eggs, and what is benedict, and what is hollandaise <laughs> yeah. sauce? This this word looks so weird. Yeah, that's one example of John don't, don't forget the Canadian bacon, Chuck. Uh, who can yeah, I don't know. Our Canadian friends, we love your bacon. They just call it bacon up there. Yeah, well, we call it ham. That's true. So, um, so wow, Chuck, you just you dazzled me just now. Good. Yeah, I like to do that. Yeah, from time to time. Well, that's uh, that's deja vu, I guess, for now until you know somebody finally cements down exactly what's going on. And again, I think the wonder machine is going to be the uh, the utility that, that right. does it for us. Right? Deja vu all over again, as uh, Yogi Berra once said. Great man. Yep. Um, and Chuck, I think it's time to say hey to the people at Audible. Audible.com are one of our beloved sponsors. Even better than that, let's tell everybody that the people at Audible are trying to say hey to all of our listeners. If they go right now um, to uh, audiblepodcast.com slash stuff and sign up, they'll get one free download. Yep. And this is actually kind of big. They have 50,000 plus 
titles Myth. on the site. So you can get a book if you want? Yeah, um, you can get stand-up. And actually, um, I was looking on the site, and they have a bunch of George Carlin, and specifically A Place for My Stuff. R.I.P. Arguably his greatest work ever. Um, it's my personal favorite. Um, so yeah, there's all sorts of, it's not just audiobooks, right? Yeah, I love Carlin. And speaking of which, this is an audiobook either. And I'm surprised you didn't pick this one as your, uh, your plug, but. Leave me alone. The Gonzo Tapes, The Life and Work of Dr. Hunter S. Thompson. These, uh, were just recently released, and these are just, it's a long series. I, I believe it's an abridged version on audible.com about, but you get about six hours worth of, uh, famous author extraordinaire Hunter S. Thompson, uh, speaking into a tape recorder over the years. He did this. And they've gathered all these tapes, and it's really, really awesome. I have found my one free download. Yep. So what I will be doing is going to audiblepodcast.com slash stuff and signing up. So, Chuck, I know you love plugging the blog. You uh, want to you take the opportunity? Sure. I would like to direct everyone to our new blog, which is a, uh internet term for blog <laughs> and uh, Josh and I write on this thing a couple of times a day and we talk about cool stuff and basically the idea here was to get the stuff you should know nation involved with each other and leaving comments and talking to each other and reading about cool stuff that they should know uh, instead of just listening to us say it and also don't forget to join the stuff you should know nation we are actually um, buying a plot of land right um, we'll be sending details out Via our blog, ironically right. enough. So. Yeah. And you can access it through the homepage on HowStuffWorks.com. Oh, yeah. And it's called Stuff You Should Know. Yeah. Yeah. Appropriately enough. And you can see lovely photo of Josh, who looks cute as a dang button. And Chuck in <laughs> his flat cap. That's right. So Looking it's, good. It's good stuff. So now... Yeah, there's the blog plug. Let's do... Listener Man. All right. You ready for this, Josh? I was born ready, Chuck. I have a couple of stuff we should knows, which oh, okay. is our new nicer name for corrections. Um, Christi- <laughs> Wait, I thought it was stuff we should have known. Sure. Okay. Sounds good. All right. uh, Christine Lee of uh, Toronto, Ontario, and as a quick side note, I can't remember his name, but we had a Canadian friend write in and say it really bugs when we say like Montreal, Canada. He said that'd be like saying Atlanta, United States. So Sorry. We, we, we need to start saying the province. Bacon. So Christine Lee is uh, of Korean descent, and she said in the Friday the 13th podcast, we talked about unlucky numbers in China and Japan. And again, in Can People Die of Fright, we talked about the same thing. And it's actually true in Korea as well, and she feels like uh, Koreans are often slighted uh, to their Chinese and Japanese friends. Really? So we need to start looking into other Asian countries, basically. Uh, yes, We'll so apparently four is an unlucky number in Korea, and thank you, Christine Lee, for that. Sorry, Christine. And Chris from Pennsylvania, uh, this is you're going to love this one. Uh, he said he listened to the Comas podcast. I'm surprised that between Josh's Magnum PI knowledge and Chuck's movie knowledge that you guys never brought up the connection between Magnum and the 1978 movie Coma. Mm-hmm. Tom Selleck was actually in that movie, and I haven't seen it in years, but I remember him being one of the Coma patients. It was suspended on wires, and that is indeed true. I don't remember Tom Selleck in that one. My earliest memory of, of Tom Selleck in a movie was uh, Looker. Uh, no, he wasn't in that. Okay, what was the other one with the uh, robots then? Right, you're thinking of... Uh, Runaway. 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 Uh, Very okay. nice. Yeah. Are you sure he wasn't in Looker? Yeah, that was Albert Finney. That was a great movie, though. Okay. For an 80s uh, sci-fi. I agree. Susan Day's in it, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Well, uh, we should probably get out of here before Chuck and I say something to embarrass ourselves, right? Further. Yeah. Um, so thanks for listening. I uh, I would advise everybody to go onto the site and um, check out How Deja Vu Works, fine article written by our colleague Leanne Obringer. There's a nice little Easter egg hidden in the article that may induce uh, deja vu in you. You can find that by typing in How Deja Vu Works in our handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And if you want to send Chuck and I a uh, message via electronic mail. A non-haiku-related message. Yes, Chuck, yes. Non-haiku. You can uh, alert us at stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?